Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon, Adam Conk, the Bear. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for listening in on the radio or on the podcast. Great to be with you. It's good to be back in action. Um, yeah. So how are you this week? Doing great. It's uh, week three of Easter already. Yeah. Flies by. Flies. Like <laughs> like the ascending Jesus just <laughs> flies by. <laughs> you think he flew? Yeah, he flew up to heaven. I mean, he didn't have wings, though. No, he didn't need them. He had Red Bull. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. You know, we have 50 Spirit. days of Easter leading to Pentecost, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny how short Easter feels compared to Lent, even though Easter's longer. But Lent feels like an eternity, and then Easter's like over in five seconds. Lent does feel long. It really did. It felt long for me this year. I'm trying to get over the trauma of it. <laughs> Just joking. But uh, it, it did feel really long to the point where I think it's supposed to be in a sense of like you, you're excited for it to be over. Like you did enough in Lent to be like, wow, I'm ready for Easter. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And here we are. It's Easter season. Yeah. Getting it done. Right. Some uh, exciting things happening this week that I I have to to unfold. Like what? Well, I don't know if you know this, Adam, but tomorrow we celebrate the feast of St. George. That's a big deal for you. Yeah. You know, I have two saints in my name. You do. Paul and George, which I obviously need. I need as much help as I can get. Yep. But tomorrow, uh, April 23rd, is the Feast of St. George. There was an actual St. George. Big big deal, too. Big deal. I mean, he's he's not like a a little saint. No, this cat was an early saint, too, like mm-hmm. uh, 280-ish to, says 303, which meant he was only 23 when he died, if I'm doing the math right. That's good math. Uh, you know, so he was young. Yeah. You know. Uh, but since it, it goes way back, there's a lot of, uh, you know, stories and, and some mythology around St. George. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. I mean, the whole dragon slayer thing. Right. Is a little confusing. But I love that this, his feast day falls in the Easter season, mm-hmm. uh, with the Holy Spirit, because, you know, what is the biggest dragon slayer? If you look at dragon as, in a sense of like, you know, evil, an analogy of evil or, you know, sin or whatever in our life falls in Easter and St. Jorge, St. George was <laughs> the slayer of dragons. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big deal for all of us who have any dragons in our life. I mean, St. George is um, a larger than life figure because the Lord knows we need a larger than life figure sometimes to be on our side, to be a champion. So he can intercede for us for all the uh, dragons in our life as well. And you share a, an important day with um, our Pope. Hmm. His name is Jorge. Um, that's his first name there. Right, right. But he's, he celebrates St. George's Day appropriately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. for those you who don't speak as good a Spanish as I do, Jorge means George. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look look at this. He's a big deal. He is the patron saint of England, Portugal, Germany, Aragon, Catalonia, uh, Genoa, Milan, and Bologna. Wow. Like all those things. Quite a list. Yeah. But the church actually, you know, um, holds him as a martyr. 
mm-hmm. of the faith, St. George, um, but some of the myths around him, they slay dragons, obviously, you know, they're like, yeah, that's a little, those are legends, but, um, you know, he was a real martyr for the faith, probably before the time of Constantine. Yeah. Well, and he, he, uh, he did kill something. Mm-hmm. Was it a dragon? Was it a giant lizard? Was it some kind of beast? Like, he killed something. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's the patron saint of Boy Scouts, mm-hmm. England, Germany, Portugal, and soldiers. Soldiers. There yeah. you go. I wonder if the Boy Scouts, like, is that like a general term or the actual Boy Scouts? It's a good question. Because, I mean, the Boy Scouts of America, for example, probably didn't have a patron saint. That's what I'm saying. It's not a religious affiliation. So just chore. You know, Childhood scouts, right? That are male. Although this this could be controversial, I do think George would be Saint George would be a little confused about some of the decisions of the Boy Scouts. Yeah, America. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Yeah, not right. all Boy Scouts. No, you know, but some. So anyway, we celebrate you know Saint George. So this is a big deal for me. Like I don't know what I'd do today. It's the day before, but what do I do tomorrow? You should kill something. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, maybe so. Slay, slay something, fishing mm-hmm. or hunting or, or what? Um, yeah. Try to all. get martyred. Oh, good. That's great. I'm sure my family would be excited about that. Bring them with you. All of us together. It's a family activity. Straight to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. There are worse things we could do. Awesome. <laughs> well, happy name day. Yeah. Thank Sir you. George. Appreciate it. Yeah. So everyone... Uh, it's great that it's uh, Easter season, Pentecost, you know, all this, the Holy Spirit. So this is a great, great day to celebrate St. George. So anyway, uh, do you have a, have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? So we're in the month of April, which begins with a semi-holiday called April Fool Day. You've heard about this? Mm-hmm. Well, have you seen that in Iowa... A man won $40 million buying a ticket on April Fool's Day. Now you have my attention. And he he spent a very agonizing day trying to figure out if this was some joke someone was playing on him. Because ah, it was on April 1st. Right. He buys this ticket. It's, uh, you know, he watches that night. It's a, it's a big deal, $40 million. $40 million, it's, like it's a, a few dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Earl Lape is his name, 61-year-old retired mechanic Golly. from Iowa. Just got a big lick. At first, he literally thought it was a joke, right? So he starts talking to people in his life, his wife, his friends. It's like, did y'all do this? Mm-hmm. You know. Well, uh, it was paranoid. not a joke. He was paranoid. Right. Yeah. It was real. And so he took the, uh, he took the money. And, um, but can you imagine a day spent like that? Yeah. Where you're not sure if this is real or not, and you got to spend your whole day just going down the list of people who might pull this kind of prank on you. Yeah. Um, turns out it was it was good. So we do these marriage retreats and these men's and women's small group retreats at these properties around, like these you know camp here, nice place here in the beach, or whatever. And so a couple of weeks ago on April first, we had a retreat out. I wasn't leading it. Mm. I was actually out fishing with my son and my dad. Nice. Went fishing for the weekend, had a great time out, get to relax, breathe a little bit, get away, fish, be on the water. And, but we have a men's retreat out at one of our, the, 
properties we're using and a couple of friends of mine <clears throat> who are leading it. They're leading the retreat. They're facilitators for the retreat. It's going great. Everything's awesome. Well, they're, you know, I know that on April 1st, the retreat's ending that day. And then there's like a protocol for like cleanup and exiting the building and the house and yada, yada. Okay. And so they text, how's it going? They text, yeah, it's great. Uh, one little trouble, we'll get back to you. And I did not think, cause I wasn't thinking of, it was like the one day of the week I wasn't looking at my calendar, mm-hmm. you know, because I was fishing. It was, you know, I wasn't working it was not, and I was like, ah, and then they say, sorry, what, there was a small grease fire. You know, we got the local volunteer fire, fire department. <laughs> Everything's fine. We're going to take care of it. And they just kept like, you know, just dropping these small amounts of like little information, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to call. I'm not going to call. They have it handled. And uh, they just kept going little and little. I was like, are these, did that really happen? Like, and before I knew it, like I, I was starting to panic a little bit, you know, because ultimately like I'm responsible here. And I was like, it's, it is April Fool's Day. Like, I think they're probably like, you know, cause oh, so every, you figured it out. everything they were saying was a possibility. It could have happened. You know, mm-hmm. they did a good job. They got me a little bit for a moment. They had me. <laughs> so, but you figured it out on your own. I did figure it out. Good for you. Yeah. But I would panic if someone $40 million. So, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, April Fool's. But there you go. Yeah. Well, it, it reminds me a lot of uh, of Easter, actually. Because um, the promise seems too good to be true, kind of. You're pulling a Paul George right now. Yeah. You're tying it all in. Tying it in. But it, the promise seems too good to be true. Like, we're given mm. this ticket to eternal life, you know? Man. Right? Yeah. Better than 40 million. Yes. And uh, there's there's reason to doubt it in the sense of, um, you know, we see people die all the time. And uh, throughout history, people have died. But we have this ticket that says, if we believe in the Lord and put all our trust in him, we're going to live forever. And then he rises from the dead. Right. So he did it. And... Uh, it's kind of like this temptation to always continue to doubt it, even though it's been done. Like, like this guy, um, Earl, he, he bought the ticket. He watched the television program that said what the winning numbers was. Like, it, it was all legit. But because of, of this doubt of what day it was, he, he second-guessed it, second-guessed it, second-guessed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all kind of fall to that in the sense of we need to be reminded again and again and again, that this is real. Jesus really is alive. Right. And we really will live forever with him. Yeah. No, we see this amazing gospel that a lot of us are familiar with. This Sunday is the road to Emmaus, Mm -hmm. right? Where Jesus appears again to the disciples. And I don't know, I need to maybe cross-check, cross-reference everything. I don't know how many times exactly Jesus appears to the apostles before the ascension. Do you know? I'll have to look it up, the exact number, you know, because the gospels kind of all weave around, you know, mm-hmm. together. So it's like, was that the same one as this one and whatever, you know? Right. But the road to Emmaus is one of the the most sort of like, you know, <clears throat> most popular, you know, stories of post-resurrection Jesus appearing. Yeah. Uh, we're going to read from Luke, you know, 24 this week and that story. And this is beautiful, you know you know, imagery and like story of, you know, Jesus appearing on this road to Emmaus and then, 
um, you know, th- them recognizing him through the breaking of the bread and, and this whole, you know, um, time with him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is, this is the gift of Easter that Jesus is alive and that we can see him and recognize him. you know, like he gives us the sacraments that we can see him and recognize him, the, the Holy spirit, which we, you know, we talked about on the last show last week, uh, God's presence active. Like we, we can begin to see tangibly that Jesus is alive, you know, and this is the gift of Easter. This is, this is it. Like we, we have a, a check that's unlimited amount that is written to us for our life and for eternity. And as much as we struggle here on earth, uh, and as much as we want things and, and we want to hold on, the ultimate gift is heaven. Mm-hmm. Better than forty million. Yeah, and you know what's crazy is that we we're speaking about something that we've never seen. That's right. I've never seen forty million dollars. I've never seen heaven. No, you haven't. But you know that the Eucharist is is our ticket, because when when they recognize Jesus in the breaking of the bread, the Eucharist is that foretaste and promise of that which we haven't seen. But it it, it allows us to claim it now, hmm. right? Like when we have a winning lottery ticket. We have a claim. As soon as the numbers are announced, we have a claim on that money. And in the same way, we have a claim on heaven because of the Eucharist. Like Jesus said, who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life, um, and I will raise him on the last day. So our claim to being raised on the last day mm-hmm. comes from consuming the body and blood of Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus in the Eucharist, which is why our Lord, on the road to Emmaus, revealed his presence through the Eucharist. It wasn't an accident, right? Yeah, and it says, and and it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, so he went to stay with them, right? Mm. Uh, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were open, and they recognized him, right? That's when they recognized him, is mm-hmm. at the table, at the Eucharist. Uh, but he vanished from their sight, which is hysterical, like poof, he just disappeared. <laughs> yeah. um, then they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us? while he spoke to us on the way and opened up the scripture to us, you know? Um, so this is when they recognized him at the table, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so we're not our hearts burning. Yeah. We're not I, our I hearts mean, burning. how much does a lottery ticket cost? Um, I haven't bought one. Have you bought one? Uh, a couple dollar? of dollars, $2, two, $2 to win 40 million. Yeah. Isn't that the exchange of the Eucharist? I mean, how much does it, what does mass cost, like to buy bread and wine or like to give an hour of our Sunday? Hmm. I wonder if someone who has $40 million would say that heaven is better than $40 million. I bet if they've had it for like a year, they would because they've used the $40 million for like a year and realized how empty it could be. <laughs> or this guy, Earl, so he actually donated half of his money to charity. Really? Mm-hmm. We all say we would do that, but Earl did it. $20 million. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And helped his family. Right. Um, so, he, you know, we all talk about what we would do with our lottery money, whatever. Well, Earl actually donated half his money to children's hospitals and then gave some to his family. So he did it. Now hmm. he's 61, so he's lived through life enough to know that money is not that important, right, right. compared to those to those things. Um, but it does, take, it does take life experience to know the value of money, I guess, or the eternal... And in the same way, it takes relationship with the Lord, abiding with the Lord, to know the value of his presence, the value of his, of eternal life, the value of heaven. 
and how cheaply we give away heaven through sin so many times. Right. But it takes life experience, experience with the Lord, that we understand the value of heaven, and we and we we prize that above all. Amen. All right, St. George week. Here we are. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you today, Deacon Adam Conk. I think we're delirious with our Easter joy. The today. bear. We're just basking in Easter glory. Basking in Easter glory. Well, I have to admit uh, to everyone that I do have a sword in my office. You've been in my office, right? Mm-hmm, I have. Okay. We've done some like strategic sessions in there, some meetings, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and I have a 54-inch Claymore. Okay. Now I don't use this as like a violent thing. Like I'm not like trying to like promote violence. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's get that straight. Let's get it straight. Okay. (laughs) I have the sword in my office because it, it is a spiritual image of life and the spiritual battle. Mm -hmm. And this week, as I said in the first segment, St. George, we celebrate St. George. St. George has this image of, a sword slaying dragons, <clears throat> that imagery, a lot of imagination around that. But like what he was, was a warrior. He did fight mm-hmm. for good causes and he was a martyr for his Christian faith that we know. So the image of the sword is an image of the spiritual battle. Okay. Everyone, not violence, but really in a sense, you know, the word, you know, violence in a sense against the enemy, the devil. Right. Mm-hmm. So like to push away the enemy. Well, and I, for one, am glad that you are willing to put yourself out there to do battle with the enemy. Well, Because you know, we all need people to do that. You know? I can't do it alone. I can't fight the devil alone. Like, we got to work together on this stuff. We right. need a lot of swords out there. Right. Yeah, like, we all need to, like... I, you know, I, re- I wrote in my book, Holy Grit, that... Um, the first part of the spiritual battle is actually knowing that there is one. Mm-hmm. And I think most people, a lot of people, I don't want to say most, like I, I don't know, but a lot of people I talk to or engage with or interact with aren't even aware that there's a spiritual battle. And, you know, we talk about heaven and Easter and like heaven, like we haven't seen heaven, but we talk about it. But guess what? There's a, there's the enemy that doesn't want us to go to heaven. And there's a spiritual battle that's happening. There's, there's sin and temptation that's happening and we're not, we can't see it. But it's mm-hmm. there. We can see the results of it. We can we can feel it. We know it's there. But a lot of people don't even know there's a spiritual battle happening. And half the battle is actually knowing that there is one. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And what kind of battle? You know, it, an often quoted scripture verse, you, we, we kind of read it and don't really see or ask, what is the Lord saying here? But in, in Matthew uh, chapter 18, where our Lord says, 
you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Then he says, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. Right. Right? So he's talking about the battle. Yes. But what word did he use? The gates of the netherworld shall not prevail. Hmm. What does that mean? What's the nature of this battle? What does it mean? It means we are on offense. Gates are how you defend something. Right. Right? Hmm. So Jesus has promised that the gates of the netherworld, the gates of hell, right? Satan's gates. G-A-T-E-S. G-A-T-E-S. Since we spell things on this show. We do. We're pro-spelling. The gates won't prevail. So the battle is us offending him, us attacking him. <laughs> and we, we kind of focus on this idea that like spiritual battle means we're going to take a licking and keep on ticking, hmm. right? Like, like Satan's just going to beat up on, on us all day and, and we'll just kind of keep, keep after it. That's what the spiritual battle is. Actually, the way our Lord speaks about the church and the way we see the church in Acts is that the gates of the neverworld can't prevail against the gospel in Jesus Christ. Hmm. We see people, devil being cast out left and right when the church is on a mission and casting out the darkness, and the gates can't take it. Right. He can't withstand an attack of goodness, an attack of grace, an attack of the Holy Spirit. Um, he can't put up any defense against it. Yeah, you know, I, we were going through this with our men's grit groups, and we go through the book, Holy Grit, um, and I was talking about the four B's of temptation that the enemy uses against men that on the other side of those can also be good things, you know, mm-hmm. the boardroom, the ball field, the billfold, and the bedroom, okay? Um, and so those are, you know, real temptation w- ways that the enemy gets us. But on the other side of that, like, there's virtue in that way that we can give and grow and self-sacrifice and use good gifts for those. But the fifth one I'm talking about in the next chapter <clears throat> um and it's called, you know, the fifth B that I use as an analogy is the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And that we come most alive when we are engaged in the battlefield of life and with the enemy. But the enemy wants us to be asleep in this. He wants us to not realize this actual battle going on for our minds, our hearts, and our souls, right? Mm-hmm. Just kind of keep us, like, lukewarm, mediocre, apathetic, not awake to the fact that we are, you know, asleep at the wheel, mm-hmm. you know, in the battle, right? And But to be engaged in the battle, to be awake and alive and to, like, be on the offensive, like, that's where the Lord wants us. Yes. Well, and the reason why the devil wants us sleepy is because that's what you want with an invading force. So if if I've never been a general. I don't know if you've been a general before. No, Fighting no, no. No, I've never been a general. General uh, George. Mm-mm. My okay. kids call me Cap. Really? For Captain. No kidding. Yeah, just as a fun name. But That's I, really neat. I'm neither that nor this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, neither there nor here. here I'm nor neither there. here nor there. <laughs> so. I'm neither general nor captain. <laughs> However, <laughs> you're, you're general of your own home. That's true. You know, you're priest, prophet, and king. That's right. I mean, come on. But let's say you're a general of an army that's being invaded, mm-hmm. and you can't stop them. Yeah. Like, you, there's nothing you could do. Right. It might make sense. What if they just stopped invading? Like, I can't fight back. Right. What if I just got them to stop? Right. 
that's that's why the devil wants us to sleep is mm-hmm. because he can't put up any fight. Right. And when we stop invading, when we stop snatching souls from his grasp mm. and and for the kingdom, uh, then he will succeed. But he cannot fight back. He's he's just a creature like we are. It's not like he's more powerful than God. The thing is, the devil when 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 he tempted Adam and Eve, he he brought them into his kingdom of darkness. That's and, right. And in sin, and as long as we don't invade him, he will continue to grow that kingdom. But he can't withstand our invasions. The battlefield, if we're sleepy, like you're saying, we just give up the invasion. So I have a friend who is a retired Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was is talking. He a general? Talking to him. Say. Is that I can't say it's all cl- okay. classical. I mean, <laughs> but he, he's. He was. I was talking to him one day, and he said, uh, basically, like when they go on a mission, they look at every case, every scenario that could happen, and they go, <clears throat> you know, like everything bad that can happen, they go with, and they go. The plan that they go with is the, is like, the the plan that has the least, um. Like the least failure in it, but they're gonna fail. You see what I'm saying? Like every mm. plan they have, they know there's failure in it. Wow. Okay. Like there's no perfect plan. Right. And they go with the plan that's that they feel like is the least, um, has the least failure rate. Wow. Okay. So they know that they're gonna be like constantly like readjusting the plan along the way. Like it mm. never unfolds exactly. And they have a sense of like respecting their opponent so they they study their opponent what they're going to do in their mission and they know that there's going to be failure on the mission the thing with the with the devil the enemy i don't know how we got on this topic but we did battle battle the battlefield is this is that the devil is actually stronger than us as humans yes okay so like let's just not downplay so like having respect for your opponent is part of like how you do battle Mm -hmm. right it's like okay if i'm going box someone i'm going to study you know, they left-handed, right-handed. What do they do? You know, I got to respect it. Because if you don't, like, you just get sideswiped and knocked out. You're like, oh, I didn't know he could throw that punch, you know? Mm-hmm. We have to respect the fact that the devil is real and that the devil is actually stronger than us. Now, does that cause for fear? No. Why? Because we have Jesus. Yep. So we're engaged in the battle through Jesus. Jesus fights for us. The Holy Spirit is the one that fights for us. Like, grace is moving us through the battlefield of life, keeping us from saying yes to the enemy's temptations. Mm -hmm. So it is Jesus who fights for us as we're a part of, you know, in relationship with him. Okay. Mm -hmm. If we tried to fight the enemy on our own, guess what? It's called failure of sin. Like that's when we fall into mortal sin. Yep. You're like, how'd you end up here? Like, well, I was trying to do all this on my own. That's right. That's right. Well, and when when the Lord is fighting with this with us, we have to be fighting with him. So God's not going to fight our battles unless it's also his battle in the sense of God's not going to advance my kingdom. Man. And my ability to control everything. Preach. Like, Jesus, come fight with me over here while I go grow this company. That's literally what the devil did, was like, I'm going to do my own thing. Hmm. Not, I'm not going to be part of that kingdom, God's kingdom. I'm going to have my own kingdom. And God's not going to help me do that. Hmm. In fact, in his mercy, he's going to let me fail. Now, the devil might help me do that. 
the devil might help make me successful at my own kingdom because that's his that's his path. Yep. But God will let me fail at creating my own kingdoms. But when I finally give up my kingdom and start fighting for his, Jesus is with me 100% of the time. And he never abandons me. I mean, think about St. Paul. The dude went into the world by himself. He did do that. And built the kingdom, literally. Mm-hmm. I mean, he established churches throughout the world. Right. One dude. Obviously, the Lord was fighting for him, but he had to find the battle that was the Lord's battle, right? To bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations. And when he was doing that, the devil couldn't stop him because Jesus was fighting for him. He was fighting for Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I mean, St. Paul is a good one. Another name of mine, uh, hence this (laughs) week, uh, as a sword bearer. Like he, you know, like he the sword being the word too, like the word of God, like he, um, uh, he was, he is this image of doing spiritual battle, you yep. know, uh, of shipwrecked and in jail. Like that's all this, like, you know, he lived this crazy life for the Lord, you know? Yep. Well, and, and I think, um, if we're going to imitate St. Paul in our own life and imitate this, uh, battle against the enemy, we, we have to be constantly on guard, like St. Peter said, that the devil is like a, a prowling lion looking for someone to devour. So we as Christians, as adults, have to be on guard with our family, with our friends, with the, our community. But that on-guardness is not sufficient for spiritual battle. And this is where I think a lot of, a lot of failure in the way we motivate men in spiritual battle happens mm-hmm. is that we equate spiritual battle with that being on guard part. It's important. You have to be on guard. You have to be praying for, for guardian, for God to guard our family, our family's innocence, our family's purity, our family's um, health and well-being, for sure. And we should be praying for protection over our family constantly from the enemy. But that is not the definition of the spiritual battle we're in. The spiritual battle we're in is to snatch from the enemy the neighbor's family, right? Now, in my family where the enemy has a foothold, I need to bring that sword and not compromise. If I see in my spouse or my children and myself where the enemy has had victory or has claimed a certain territory in my heart, like it's time right now to take that sword out you were talking about and go win the battle for Jesus in my own family, my own heart, for sure. What about the house next to me? Hmm. If I never even think about them, the devil has me right where he wants me. Right. Because if a Christian lives in a city, that city should belong to God because of that of those Christians that live there. And if the city doesn't belong to God, something is happening. Something's hmm. not happening that ought to be. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know if you know this. You probably do. Maybe you don't. <laughs> Maybe some of you listening do or don't. I think it's every Easter or... Pentecost, uh, sometime during Easter Pentecost. I can't remember the exact day. Maybe mm-hmm. we can look it up. But mm-hmm. the Pope gives a message mm-hmm. called Urbi et Arbi. Good job. Okay, it's Latin. Urbi et Arbi. You know what it means? Well, to the city, to the world. Yes, mm-hmm. it means to the city for the world. Mm-hmm. Right? So the Pope, being the Bishop of Rome, right? Italy. Italy, is also the vicar of Christ to the whole world, right? Yes. Okay, so he's the Pope for the world, but he's the local ordinary as well, 
right? Mm-hmm. Am I right there? Yeah, okay. so right. Which is, so he gives a message. Is it once a year? Or is it, at least. Or is it on Easter? It's during yes. the Easter season, right? Yeah, at least. I think he does it more than once, but maybe it's just once. I don't know. Okay. It's called Irby at Arby, which mm. is, you know, for so he gives a message for the city. And it's meant to go to the world, mm-hmm. right? Like, and this is this is the vicar of Christ speaking. Like, like the message is for the city. What you're talking about is like God's mission is for our city, you know, for like for our people to the to the whole world, you know. Like the Christian faith, the Catholic faith is for the whole world. Uh, this is the beautiful. This is why we're living in this Easter and in this Pentecost season, right? And as we're talking about this spiritual battle, like when I'm not certainly like get out of this image of like. Christians are violent people. No, we're you, the thing that is different about Jesus is that he was not violent. Right. He did not come as a as a king that brought violence to the world. Where he conquered the enemy is through giving up his life. That's right. And death. Martyrdom. Yeah. And mercy mm-hmm. and love and loving the unlovable and forgiving the unforgivable and bringing mercy to those who didn't belong. Like, like that's that's the that's how. Christianity spread, right, Mm -hmm. is through this abundance of love and grace and mercy of the Holy Spirit throughout the whole world. What we're talking about is this this underlying current that the devil is real and the devil is violent. Yeah, he is. The devil does not care about our souls. That's right. He does not care about our minds and our hearts, and he does not care if we do not make it to heaven. As a matter of fact, his goal is that. Mm-hmm. So he brings violence, and the way that we attack the enemy, the devil, is through the grace of Christ of saying yes to Jesus, his love, his mercy, saying yes to loving and bringing his mission to the world. And look, I have a great spiritual director who's a bishop, retired, who would say, just laugh at the devil because he has no power over you in That's Christ. Right. That's right. Like, don't worry about it. Like, yep. don't focus on it. Don't give him more attention than he deserves because he is does deserves no attention. But the way we res- understand our opponent is that the opponent brings violence that does not care about us. Yes. And as soon as we get away from God, we are lost on this path, you know? So this is like, like in the, one of the beautiful like kind of things of like Alcoholics Anonymous, AA, which was started by a Catholic priest. One of the first steps of AA is uh, surrender. Mm-hmm. Surrendering to the fact that to God, they talk about in AA, that uh, through, without God's grace, I cannot overcome this addiction on my own. Mm-hmm. Right? How beautiful is that? Yeah. That's the story of our whole life. Without God, we can do nothing. We well, see AA is actually a great example of, of what offense looks like because you find... You find people that have been conquered by something. Mm-hmm. They're a conquered people. Okay? Right. Now, the the AA movement is like this, this special forces that goes behind enemy lines to the conquered person and pulls them out. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And that is the church. The church is not just protection against alcoholism let's say like to use that example the church is not just be on guard against addiction don't let the devil have any you know that is important we should be on guard and all those things but we also have to be going behind enemy lines and pulling people out yeah and and this is what every man's heart is created to do every woman's heart 
is created to do, each according to our gifts. But a Christian life is not just spent not stepping on the cracks of, of a sidewalk, right. to use that analogy. It's spent charging ahead. Um, I mean, think of, think of somebody like St. Maria Goretti. In her situation, she had, you know, when she was being uh, attacked by not get, for not giving up her purity, she had the ability to only worry about her own soul. And none of us would think hmm. less of her. To only worry about guarding her own purity. But she was brave enough to go behind the enemy lines of this man looking at her with hatred and, and, and lust. And, and I mean, the devil had this guy, right? She had the audacity and the courage and the bravery to not just retreat into her own soul, her own cares, but to go behind the enemy lines of his own heart and say, Alejandro, we cannot do this. Mm. Let's not def- uh, uh, offend the Lord this way and to pray for him. And it worked. His cause for canonization is up. He repented. He, he was taken out of Satan's grasp. And that's why we talk about St. Maria Goretti today. Not just because she did battle for her own soul, but that she won the soul of her persecutor by mercy and forgiveness, the way you were just talking about. Mm. He had the knife. She didn't have the knife. Right. She just had Jesus and mercy and forgiveness. Mm. But she took his knife away Mm. because it's more powerful to forgive in the name of Jesus than to have a knife. Amen. That's good. Okay. Let's uh, take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 Eight five three three. That's Solidarity Health Share eight four four three eight seven eight five three three. Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George Deacon Adam Kong. Thanks everyone for listening in on the show uh, on the radio KLFT Radio. Thanks, everyone. And on the podcast, wherever you are, great to be with you. I want to remind all you guys to, uh, if you haven't gotten the book, Holy Grit, go to holygrit.org or on Amazon. Um, the book's going great, man. Yeah, it's time It's time to get it if you haven't gotten it yet. Uh, you Let's can order it. it as a group, uh, do a study with it or individual. But, yeah, excited about it. That's exciting. Good and, stuff. You know, I was in your office recently, and I saw a gift that your children had given you related oh. to your book. Oh. Tell us about this. That's right, for my birthday. It's pretty neat. They did. They um, So they gave me a frame picture of... So in each chapter of the book, I highlight a saint, uh, a male saint for that chapter, and sort of the life that they lived, their conversion, and, you know, the grit and grace that they lived as part of the chapter. And so there's 10 saints for the 10 chapters. And uh, so they gave me a framed picture, and in there is the picture of the 10 saints, like, you know, in the framed picture. It's cool. I never thought of that. That was great. That is a cool gift. Yeah. Well, I highly recommend getting the book. Um, I also want to get that picture. 
I want to get those men saints. Hmm. I don't have it yet. Can I hire your kids to make it for me? Yeah, but maybe they can make your own ten. Like you do your top ten, and they'll make you a frame picture. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like a good Easter goal. Yeah. There you go. So, okay. Why don't we try to see if we can actually this time pull off a, a six pack of questions? Question. Question number one. So in uh, Acts. When Pentecost happened, Peter said uh, to the people as he started his homily, hey, we're not drunk like we seem. It's actually the Holy Spirit. Um, that reminds me of this episode. We're just giddy. We are a little. But we're not drunk. No. But it's the, it's the Easter joy. Right. So my question is, uh, what, why? you were working on that uh, this past year, joy, mm-hmm. hope. That's true. So uh, what, what's going on? What do, why are we so joyful today? Well, we, we had a couple of laughs off air, just some funny things that have happened today. But however, <laughs> you know, when Peter talks about being drunk or we're not drunk, I think what people realize is there's something different about you guys. You were locked in a room, you were afraid, and now you're not. Like, there's something different about you, you know, in Jesus. Like, what's going on? Well, we haven't been drinking. It's something else. It's the life of God living inside of us, the Holy Spirit. And I think the reality is that I mean, as a Christian, like we, something should set us apart, like the way we live, the way we act, the way we believe and breathe and do. Yes, we live in the world and we're called to be a part of it and bring Jesus into the world. But like if we made all the decisions the same as the world, then nothing would separate us as a Christian. Mm -hmm. We must be different and even maybe a little drunk to other people, right? Mm -hmm. In, In that analogy. Nice. All right, question number two. So we're talking about, uh, spreading the gospel and, and, and doing this battle. You have been in many different battlefields, let's say. I mean, y'all lived in Atlanta for a while, in Homa, Lafayette, obviously now in Phoenix. Um, you've, done, you've done battle with the enemy in a lot of circumstances. Can you give me a story of when you, you really were shocked at how God moved in a situation that seemed hopeless, hmm. a particular person or a situation where... You know, you were praying for for God's victory, but it seemed the most hopeless. But then it, it happened. Yeah, I mean, I we have a lot of those stories, which mm-hmm. is great. A lot of testimonies of being in mission and in mission work and evangelization work of people's lives have, you know, drastically changed forever. You know, through healing, through the Holy Spirit, their marriages. You know, I don't know if I can highlight one, but I mean. Uh, you know, I, I know, you know, three or four marriages that like people are like, we're getting, we have the paperwork. We're like getting a divorce and they're not anymore, hmm. you know, through God's like work and like grace and like conversations and conversion and healing, you know, um, people walking away from addictions and yeah, just some cool things, you know? Yeah. But, so, you, so you've seen it. God really does show up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Question number three, not to be a downer, but I think it's an important question. Have you also seen the opposite where it seems like things should be working really well for someone mm-hmm. spiritually and everything else, but like there's this thing that's holding them back, like some kind of victory the devil? Yeah, devil I mean, there, there's some real strongholds. Uh, the enemy gets a hold of particularly our identity when we identify in our wounds and our brokenness and our shame. I think people have these initial conversions and they go back to it and they can't get out of it. 
that's the hardest part, particularly as you work with people, is to realize that at the end of the day, like you, you can't have a savior's complex. Like you can't save anyone from that. Like only Jesus can. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes God's timing is a lot different than yours. And so watching someone, in a sense, like walk away, is hard. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Question number four. Um, so we talk about guarding our families too and how important that is. Uh, what's some ways that you've found effective? I mean, obviously the church has prayers like St. Michael the Archangel and things like that, but just as a family man, some ways as a family you found effective of, of keeping ourselves on guard and asking for God's grace and protection within our family. That's a good, you know, we talk, we, we did talk a lot about the spiritual battle on this show. Huh? We did. And I do think like holding court with your family is important. You know, we were reading, Gretchen and I were reading about, you know, like, some of the blessings as parents and you have spiritual authority over your kids while they live in your house, you know, and, mm-hmm. until their adulthood, you know? Um, so like, how do you have that spiritual protection? Well, one, you know, we pray with them every night and bless them. Um, praying the rosary, obviously Mary's protection over your family, mm-hmm. St. Michael prayer, going to mass together, all the graces through the sacraments, right. And prayer, um, and then I think on, on a real personal level with your kids is speaking into their identity of who they are so that then when they feel the attack of the world at school or whatever, like they can begin to recognize the lies that are out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Question number five. Um, so in Holy Grit, your, uh, your book there, you outline all these male saints and all of them had battles with the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, it's one of the B's you brought up, right? Yeah. The five B's. Um, can you share with me maybe like one or two that really surprised you? Like you didn't know the, the extent of the battle they experienced or you're just motivated by them to get into the fight yourself as you were writing the book? B is like B apostrophe S, not B-E-E-S. Right. Yeah, since we spell things on this show. Spelling B's. Yeah, we have a, have a theme. A spelling yeah. theme. You know, like... In a very interesting, say a very normal way, like St. Louis Martin, who was, mm-hmm. I was surprised by that I found and uncovered and gave a chapter into the book. Um, he can thank me later for that. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, now he's famous. <laughs> is that I think the spiritual attack on his life was at first his vocation. He wasn't allowed into the seminary. Mm-hmm. He, they felt like he wasn't smart enough. He couldn't learn. I think it may have been Latin. And so like attack on his identity as like his vocation and his manhood of not being allowed into something he couldn't do. And yet his relationship with God just moved him forward to, to work and, and to be um, a godly man in the world and never realizing that he would meet, you know, uh, Zelly uh, and get married. It was sort of a later vocation thing. And then they had kids and, and saints as kids and, and their story is amazing. But I think the spiritual attack on him was about his vocation and his identity. You know. Mm-hmm. Question number six, then. Um, so we just finished Lent, which was a time of battling with the enemy. Um, and now we're into Easter, and we see a battle with the church with the enemy. Describe to me the difference of those battles. Like, like we see Jesus alone in the desert fighting for his identity. Mm-hmm. But then we also see the apostles learning their identity by, like, being on mission. Um, I don't know. Describe to me kind of the, that importance of identity in that desert experience battle, but then also out in the world on mission. So Easter's mission, right? Like we're on mission, mm-hmm. Pentecost, right? Uh, 
Lent is preparing us for that mission in the desert, like Jesus did in the desert, and then he went out and started his ministry. Mission's hard, right? Chill. So on a practical level, like one of the things I did in Lent and we should do is, is fast. I did some things that made me hungry that I didn't realize I could do. And by the end of Lent, I was like, oh, like I know how to be hungry and without food. Sounds simple, okay. Like, <laughs> But I, I didn't really fast much before. So, mm-hmm. so I, like I really went at it. Um, well, there's times where I'm so busy and I'm in Easter, I'm hungry and I'm like, oh, it's no big deal. I can deal with this. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not distracted by the hunger. Okay. Mm-hmm. You get where, where I'm going here Yeah, is that in Lent builds up the virtue of prayer and of like doing hard things so that in mission, when things get hard or we need to, to fill up on prayer, like we know how to do it. Mm-hmm. We know how to go back to prayer. We know how to sacrifice and do hard things because we're, we're like, living the life that Jesus wants us to live, right? So Lent brings, builds in those virtues that we need for mission, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like those, the two go hand in hand. So and like mission's hard. I, I'm going to do hard things. And Lent taught me how to do that. Uh, Lent taught me how to pray better and to, to take time to do that, right? And to, to give and sacrifice. When the mission gets hard, I'm reminded of Lent. So, so really in, in true... Christian life, the Paschal mystery exists in our life daily. Nice. Right? Like we don't <clears throat> we don't wait for Lent next year. Like we're Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Right, yeah. I mean we do have this liturgical year that builds these different muscles, but like the reality is that we live Lent and Easter every day in some way, shape, or form. True that. So anyway, great show today, man. Um it's awesome to be with you. Laugh. You know, <laughs> your beard's looking great. I mean, you just look just very eastery thanks man and saint george man do battle for us pray for us let's do it yeah so have a great week everyone and uh thanks for being a part of the show we'll be back next week god bless